What's going on, guys? Welcome to Total Sports Talk Beyond the Lights, where I'm your host, Matthew Raritan. And man, we've got a lot to cover today. Um, we've got playoff matchups that just happened and uh, some surprises, some that weren't to others. But all, obviously, it is something that we need to talk about because everyone's talking about it. But first things first, I want to introduce my co-host. First, we've got David Street. What's up, everybody? Go Bucks! And we've got Ed Smith. Welcome, y'all. You know, guys, do you remember the scene in The Waterboy, Coach Klein, where he's holding the phone, the cordless phone? Or it's a corded phone, but not plugged in. He's over here. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Well, guys, that's me right now because, well, out of everyone on this podcast, well, mine's the only team that lost in the playoffs. If you didn't know, the Buccaneers did win, and so did the Green Bay Packers, which are my co-host teams. But me, I'm Coach Klein. I'm talking to my mom, imaginary. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Because, well, my Pittsburgh Steelers lost. And we are going to talk about that. But first, I want to talk about actually a game where I was wrong uh, as far as the outcome goes. And that is the Los Angeles Rams, and the Detroit Lions. This was homecoming. This was Matthew Stafford coming back to Detroit. And there was something that told me, well, I feel like the Rams are going to win this game. Matthew Stafford is going to come back to Detroit, and he's going to pull off the victory here. And, well, that's not what happened at all. It was a very close game, and the final score ended up being 24-23 to for the Lions. But this was really big, guys. First home playoff win for the Detroit Lions since 1991. I know I speak on behalf of me and David. We weren't even a thought in 1991, but I'm sure Ed was living it up. Um, but me and David were not a thought. So it's like, where were you guys at 1991? And did you remember when this happened? I watched that game. I remember David? distinctly watching that game. <laughs> yeah, not me. <laughs> so, but uh, you not know, I did, uh, we did, we did not exist back then. We did not like, just like I said, we were not even a thought. Uh, with me and David <laughs> being born in 1994, but this was amazing. This uh, for the NFL and especially the city of Detroit. City of Detroit, especially with the Pistons, are just a travesty. So to have something like this is actually great because 1991 was a long time ago. So that is a huge congrats to the Detroit Lions and what they're doing there. But I want to talk a little bit more about Matthew Stafford in this homecoming. I mean, Stafford was booed. This was, you know, I, I, I was a little shocked when I was hearing some of the boos because I'm like, well, Stafford was very loyal to the city of Detroit and he was a phenomenal player, but he did get traded. Um, and what did he do right after he got traded? Well, he won a Super Bowl with the Rams. Is that his fault? No, it's yeah. not. How, how are you going to boo a guy who got traded? Like, and if I remember correctly, it wasn't like he demanded a trade. He got traded. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's fans. It's just, that's just how that's just how it is. I mean, your fans, you're riled up. Your team just made the playoffs. I mean, for a, for a long, long time. Uh, so there's some understanding there, but needless to say, uh, they booed him. He did not facilitate this trade. Uh, he did win a Super Bowl once again. That is not his fault. 
that's props to him. I mean, what's crazy is when he was in the Super Bowl, do you know where the number one like jersey sales were at? We're in Detroit for his jersey. So the, Detroit still loved him, but this is a playoff game. Just because it's your homecoming doesn't mean we got to like you. So, But Stafford, though, his homecoming did fall short uh, of success because his team did not win. He did put up one heck of a fight. I mean, 367 yards, two touchdown passes. But to me, the star of that Los Angeles team, well, it's not Aaron Donald, who is always talked about. And it wasn't Stafford, even though it was homecoming. It was Mr. Puka Nukua. The legend continues. The history continues. And now he has another... A milestone that will be uh, in the record books, and that is the most receiving yards for a rookie in a playoff game with 181 yards. I mean, this guy has been doing it nonstop all year. And like we've said, even on the last episode, if it wasn't for C.J. Stroud, this guy would walk away with Offensive Rookie of the Year. But that just shows you how great C.J. Stroud is, which we will talk about. But Puget Nukua, he passed DK Metcalf, who was the previous record holder for that stat, who had 160 yards. But Puka Nakua, guys, it's like him and Cooper Cup just switch bodies. I mean, Cooper Cup, it's like I get he's had injuries, but he's nowhere to be found. But Puka Nakua, that guy is balling out. So I'm excited to see what his career is like, especially after this history of a year he's had. But Jared Goff, let's switch to the other side. Jared Goff has had this kind of resurgence uh, here in Detroit, especially with Dan Campbell. They are kind of two peas in a pod, and I mean that in such a great way because I feel like they complement each other. And when you hear of a head coach and your starting quarterback complement each other, you start to see great things. And Goff, his numbers have always pretty much stayed very similar. Um, he has improved coming into this year with a now uh, a career best for him, a 67.3% completion rate. But what is happening that you aren't going to see on the stat sheet is how comfortable and how happy he is in the city of Detroit and playing for this Lions team. And that's where success will come. Just like I said with him and Dan Campbell, one-two punch there with head coach, a starting quarterback combo. But there is going to be a lot of success for this Detroit Lions team. I'm impressed with what they're doing, and I'm glad to say that I was wrong with my prediction because Detroit, they deserved to have won this game, and I'm happy to see it. They will be playing the Tampa Bay Bucks next, which we will talk about as well. But another game that happened over the weekend, and honestly, I think the three of us predicted this game, and I know Ed is loving this, our prediction because, well, Ed, go Pack go. <laughs> Thanks for the handoff, Matthew. And you talked about a head coach and a quarterback becoming comfortable with each other. That is what's happening with Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love. Uh, since <clears throat> for the last nine games, Jordan Love is 7-2. and two. Five of them playoff teams with 21 touchdowns and one interception. That is an outstanding stretch for a young quarterback that really has grown into not only learning the position the last three years under Aaron Rodgers, 
but has really learned the leadership aspect of it with this young skill position group that he has around him. It has just been a pleasure to watch because what you're seeing is a quarterback that has matured behind the scenes, and now we're seeing the the fruition of what the organization thought three years ago when they drafted him in the first round, you know, despite Aaron Rodgers being so blindsided and so upset about it that he went out and won two more MVPs. I'm not mad at that, but uh, something that complements that is a run game. Aaron Jones, since he's gotten back from his injury, it's been four games, four straight games of over a hundred yards on just 20, uh, just 20 to 22 carries and an amazing, you know, just surgence of a running game to complement the calm, cool, collected Jordan Love in the pocket, you know, distributing to so many wide receivers at this point. We're talking Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, Dontavian Wicks, Tucker Kraft, Luke Musgrave, and now Christian Watson, along with Aaron Jones out of the backfield. We'll see about A.J. Dillon and his injury situation coming up. But that is a tremendous operation of the offense. This is really the offense that LaFleur wanted to bring into Green Bay but had to cater to the diva uh, and let him run it the way that he wanted to for the first couple of seasons. And it worked out well at that time. But now we truly get to see what LaFleur's vision is And Jordan Love is executing it to perfection. Now, on the flip side of this game, which the Packers won 48-32, and it was not that close. Guys, do you all agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Dallas scored a couple late touchdowns, but it was a complete beatdown by Green Bay from start to finish. Absolutely. And, you know, it got me to thinking, you know, being a Cowboys fan is almost like dating an OnlyFans girl. And let me explain real quick. It's been 20 seasons with the Cowboys with a 500 record or better since their last Super Bowl in 95. Okay? They are fun. They are dynamic. They are sexy. They are bright and hot during the regular season. But when you get to the postseason and get to the point where you're supposed to put a ring on it, they fall apart. It is just tragic how bad this uh, organization has become in the postseason. They have not made an NFC championship game in uh, in those 20 seasons that I was talking about. That's 13 playoff appearances and zero. NFC championship appearances. If you told me in 1996 that there would be that in 2023 or 2024 now, you would have the Cowboys be in the playoffs 13 more times and never reach an NFC championship game, I would not believe you because that is the tradition of what that franchise is and it is just not there. And what's the what's the common thread between all of it? It's Jerry Jones. We've all we all know the story on the Jerry Jones bandwagon, but with this iteration of it, 
you know, that Jerry Jones train is continuing to move forward. But with a loss like this, as demoralizing as a loss this was, who's to blame? And is anybody, you know, need to get fired for this, a game like this that continues to happen over and over and over again? Is it Dak or is it Mike McCarthy? I got to tell you, I'm in Dak's corner here because, you know, even though he has, you know, thrown multiple interceptions at bad times and, oh, that pick six was at a bad time uh, during this game. He has not played terribly. He has just had to play from behind because he is putting him, his team in a bad situation. He is playing well outside of those few mistakes that he has to try and make up for. You know, and C.D. Lamb, as of this year, he's the go-to guy. He's the go-to guy to help Dak Prescott out on a situation like this. With 135 receptions on the air and 749 yards, 12 touchdowns, 9.7 yards in attempt. That is a huge number when it comes to comes to that. So it's got to fall on Mike McCarthy. If you look at his career over 17 years, you know, he has a 500 winning percentage in the playoffs in 22 games. And Let's be honest, most of that was Aaron Rodgers pulling rabbits out of his hat, you know, with uh, Hail Marys into the back of the end zone to, you know, keep the Packers' hopes alive through most of that. So, is it, was it really Mike McCarthy getting all those wins? Nah, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, uh, and because, I think, it, go ahead. If you don't mind me adding to your uh, point, Ed, and obviously uh, you, you uh, certainly, know about this but in Mike McCarthy's uh coaching career there's really been only one time in his entire coaching career when he had a combination of an elite quarterback and an elite defense and that was 2010 and of course that was the only time that he ever won a Super Bowl and probably the only Super Bowl he ever will win as a head coach well you had Charles Woodson on the (laughs) on the defense there and he's was a game wrecker uh, as well. I mean, and that was that budding uh, superstar group of wide receivers for the Packers as well, you know, during that time period. You know, but now you go and look at what his record is without Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. It's one in three. You know, it's out of four appearances in the four games in the playoffs uh, since he got to Dallas, one in three. That is not good enough. The playoffs will expose when you do not have your details and your clock management buttoned up, and he is exposed every single year about how poorly he manages the team and the clock uh, in those tight situations. So I'm going to say Mike McCarthy needs to move on. The problem is there isn't – there aren't many coaches that can step in and do as well as he has keeping the Cowboys relevant, especially during the, uh, during the season, because during the season, you know, with Dallas, he has a 627 win percentage. That is a fantastic number, but that doesn't get you championships. Regular season wins do not give you championships. 
And if the Cowboys are really serious about going to the Super Bowl and not just filling seats in Cowboys Stadium, then they need to move on and figure out who is going to get them there because it's certainly not Mike McCarthy. Now, I will say that on the opposite side, Matt LaFleur, probably one of the best coaching jobs that is not being talked about in the in the NFL this year because you're going from one of the one of the best quarterbacks of all time to some an unproven third-year quarterback and a very unproven wide receiver core with a leaky defense and a beat-up offensive line. And here they are going to the second round of the playoffs. It is a masterful job of what Matt LaFleur has been able to do uh, you know, through this year because it's been a real flip-this-house situation since they were last in the NFC uh, divisional round. And, you know, an NFC championship game, you know, almost everybody's gone. You know, there's only a couple of players that I can remember that are still on the team from that time period, you know, like Preston Smith and uh, Rashawn Gary, you know, just a couple of guys. But this has been truly a fantastic coaching job of Matt LaFleur, you know, and Matthew, you're, you've seen a lot of what I've seen, you know, what are you? Are there some takeaways that you're getting out of that too? Oh, absolutely. And it's like great minds think alike because that was actually going to be one of my biggest points. We just did the whole media forget that Matt LaFleur was their head coach because and, – and, and Green Bay will take that. They will be glad that he wasn't talked about much this year because it seemed like every time he was talked about much, he ended up, you know – failing when they needed him I mean this is a guy that uh, several years ago was talked about as one of the best coaches when the Packers only had three losses and they were just looking unstoppable and Matt LaFleur this Matt LaFleur that but to be to kind of sneak in under the rug this year I think that benefits him and this Green Bay Packers team even more but let's not forget that Matt LaFleur is still a great coach and we were able to see it uh, on you know, a full display this last weekend against the Cowboys as he dissected them. But really quick about the Cowboys is I don't think there's any coach right now that could go in and change us until Jerry Jones is gone. I think we all can agree with that is that he is unfortunately the cancer to the Dallas Cowboys. And until he's gone, well, the Cowboys are not going to win anything to stay around forever and ever and ever and you know i don't i'm not a big fan of the cowboys so by all means stay around jerry (laughs) you're just gonna keep seeing your team lose and lose and lose so uh it is what it is but there is not really any coach right now that could come in and probably win unfortunately because of him yeah and just one more point i want to add about about the game here is that something that i never took into consideration for green bay that i probably should have taken into consideration is that the Packers were one of the hottest teams coming into the playoffs, having won six of their last eight. Now, that being said, um, I still thought that maybe they would have lost to Dallas. Heck, if I remember correctly, like I thought Green Bay was going to going to get crushed. Um, I just thought that their youth and their inexperience would be too much for them to handle, um, especially being in Jerry's world. But 
obviously it did not hinder them whatsoever. So. Yeah. And you know, one thing to not take for granted is Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. All right. Uh, There is a side of players that come out when it means the most. And I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes had this dynamic game, but I want to talk about the Dolphins and the Chiefs game here, David, because we talked, we heard, heard all throughout the week how cold this game was going to be. We've heard how cold the Kansas City Chiefs have been this year. They aren't a hot team, but the playoffs come around and sometimes you start seeing uh, their true colors. Well, who true colors showed this game, David? Well, a couple of things uh, um, really stood out to me in this game. One, it was fairly obvious um, just watching the game that the Dolphins just did not want to be there. They had no interest in dealing with the cold weather. And and you could tell that they were not used to uh, playing in that kind of a cold weather game. Um, But the other thing that really um, stood out to me was that we got the Rashi Rice show, guys. I mean, I mean, Kansas City loses Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins, and yet it seems that they have found another weapon in Rashi Rice. He put up 130 yards and one touchdown, completely shredded Miami's defense, and in his last two games, he's been averaging 129 y- yards. Um, so uh, lose Tyreek Hill. And you gain an- another weapon who will no doubt, I mean, he is your, your uh, number one uh, wide receiver. And especially with uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, kind of having a uh, down, down year. Um, it's obviously huge of the Chiefs that they have someone um, that they can uh, lean on. And listen, like we've talked about it before, that even though the Chiefs did not look that impressive this year, at least compared to what we've seen before, what did we always say? At the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes, and he has more than proven that he can step up whenever it matters the most. But honestly, guys, and we've also talked about this, we need to talk about just how fraudulent the Miami Dolphins were, okay? Um, You want to know how fraudulent they were? Against losing teams, and by the way, this includes includes both regular season uh, and, uh, and, and postseason, Against losing teams, they averaged 35 points a game. But against winning teams, they averaged only 16 points a game, okay? That drop-off in production against better competition is extremely alarming. It is so glaring. Hey, 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 look, all right? Credit where credit is due. They did beat the teams that they were supposed to beat, okay? But it is just so obvious um, that... They are who we thought thought they were, okay? They beat up on cruddy teams, and they got their asses whooped by the only good teams that, that they played. And listen, um, this is what, what, Mike McDaniel's second year w- with the team, um, and he's led them to the best success that they've had in quite some time. You know, I, I saw some Dolphins fans uh, on Twitter calling for his head. Uh, calling for um, you know to to be traded, like just just shut the hell up. Like I understand you're frustrated, but there's a reason why you guys are not in charge of the team. All right, and you don't need to fire. You don't need to fire everybody every time uh, something goes wrong. Could McDaniel have done a better job? Yes, absolutely. Um, but you cannot justify uh, 
getting rid of him. Unlike another certain coach that we're going to be uh, talking about later. And that guy, I don't think he deserves to be fired necessarily, but it's a lot more, uh, it's a lot more justified at least. Uh, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, you know, weather plays such a big factor in games. Last year, uh, we saw actually the Buffalo Bills head down to Miami to play the Dolphins. And if you don't remember, this is the game where Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, they were cramping because they were not used to the weather down in Miami. Well, guys, the Dolphins, fish out of water. They did not look comfortable playing in that cold in Kansas City but here's one thing that I want to say too I, I mean the cold is is it's really bad the, the weather there was horrible but chief fans you know I do you pride yourselves on being the loudest fans out there Arrowhead's the loudest stadium y'all couldn't even sell this game out you guys were practically giving tickets away Taylor Swift sells her tickets cheaper than what you guys were I mean for more money than you guys were probably even getting for your most expensive ticket i mean it was embarrassing to see them practically give these tickets away this is a playoff game this is the defending super bowl champs so i i I just wanted to say that really quick but as far as the games goes like i said fish out of water dolphins Tua did not look comfortable whatsoever and it was just a different atmosphere yeah so i mean that those those are i mean great points david on that game it's but this was another game that I don't really think that we saw kind of this outcome. At least I'll say the score. Maybe you guys could have thought uh, you knew who was going to win this game because we've talked really high about this team. But I want to talk about the Browns and the Texans. We've talked high about the Texans and uh, possible uh, coach of the year, possible offensive rookie of the year. But this Browns team, this defense that has been steady, that has been great all year, well, they came into Houston, and well, what changed, Ed? Well, the Browns defense that was so vaunted went completely in the toilet. Yeah, and- let me just let me just say something about that, like real quick. Like they're talking about number one defense, like in terms of you know, like usually when 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 people say number one defense, they're talking about total yards, which might be the, the most over overrated way to even you know uh, value a defense. But it's like, this is supposed to be the, the number one defense. Like, they've been, not just in the Houston game, but that defense has been getting burned all year. But sure, number mm-hmm. one defense. Well, when you're talking about a passing league that racks up a lot of yards, because every rule in the book is uh, geared toward an offensive player getting gaining more yards, and we'll talk a little bit more about the finer points on that one here in a bit. Uh <clears throat> You know, when you're talking about the Browns defense, you know, overall, you're exactly right. In the last three games, they have been cooked for over three for over 348 yards per game when for the season they were at 275 yards a game. You know, so and you're looking at three quarterbacks that did that to them is Zach Wilson, Jake Browning, and now CJ Stroud. Uh, not exactly murderer's row. I mean, the only guy that I could even come close to saying that he is him is C.J. Stroud. You know, because through this season, he threw for over 4,000 yards as a rookie with 23 touchdowns and only five interceptions. 
that is a tremendous ratio right there. He cooked the Browns for 274 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions in this game alone. I mean, it. I mean, overall, the window is wide open for the Texans winning because he's on the first year of his rookie contract. That is allowing D'Amico Ryans and that entire ownership group for the Texans to build a team around him, similar to what San Francisco is doing out there, building the team up around a rookie quarterback that you can afford all these big-time players so you can make a run and have a wider window to uh, go ahead and get that championship down to Houston where it belongs for once uh, since 1961, Oilers. Um, But when you're talking about C.J. Stroud uh, himself, he ranked number two in yards per attempt in the NFL this season. He ranked number one in interception percentage. He ranked number seven in total yards passing and number 11 in touchdown percentage. Guys, this is somebody that is really making a case to get into that elite category for quarterbacks as a rookie. I mean, the the NFL is in good hands right now when you're talking about Jordan Love, C.J. Stroud, you know, and the myriad of other young quarterbacks that are taking over the league. It is an amazing thing to see that transformation into the new NFL as the old guard is leaving, Aaron Rodgers leaving, Tom Brady leaving, you know, Joe Flacco leaving, hopefully. Uh, (laughs) You know, that is, you know, it is a great thing to see. Now, speaking of Joe Flacco, I got to say, once again, not a bad outing for him. I mean, it's 307 yards. Uh, yes, he had the two picks, one of them by a guy that was just standing there waiting to have the ball thrown to him, which that was a hilarious thing in my opinion. Um, but his overall, you know, it, it wasn't as bad as you would think for as lopsided as the score was. Houston just got on top of him, you know, and, you know, put the beat down early on it. I mean, at, through halftime, they were at 24-14, which wasn't bad. But then Houston comes out, scores three touchdowns in the second half, and you're looking at a final score of 45-14. to 14. I mean, that is really dominating the their, your opponent. But in the attempt to come back, you see good numbers for Flacco. Uh, it's just the only – uh, the only season Flacco did not have an interception in the postseason was the year they won the Super Bowl. So that is, you know, if you can turn him over, if you can hit him, sack him, he's going to rush a, a couple of throws. He's going to see a couple of ghosts out there and wind up throwing it to the wrong guy. But when you take a look at Houston's offense, you know, that was put together by D'Amico Ryans in his first, you know, coaching uh, collection. And he what he did was he brought Bobby Slowick with him from San Francisco, who was the passing game coordinator. And you can see the progress of that offense through uh, what Slowick was able to put together. But also, you see Ben McDaniels, 
who was retained from the previous uh, coaching regime, who used to be the Michigan quarterbacks coach and now the passing game coordinator for the Texans. They have been helping C.J. Stroud develop. And Ben McDonald knows C.J. Stroud from Big Ten play, you know, and seeing the tape on him and knowing what to work with him on. And it has proven very effective uh, for getting C.J. Stroud comfortable, uh, you know, moving forward. But that is all credit to D'Amico Ryans. And just a, just a small stat, it's only the fifth time a rookie head coach and quarterback make it to the playoffs. You know who the last team was that won in that scenario? It is the New York Jets, Rex Ryan and Mark Buttfumble Sanchez. <laughs> that was the last time that a rookie coach and rookie quarterback won a playoff game in their first season together. And sure, that kind of fell apart, but I see nothing but green grass in front of this team. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they have uh, when they walk into Baltimore this upcoming week. That actually, I think that segues perfectly into the question that I really want to ask you guys. And that's, are we like, are we so confident that Houston is going to run this division? Because let's not forget there was a time when it seemed like the, the Titans were going to run the AFC South. Although, to be fair, um, I don't think there was ever a long-term solution there with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Then it seemed like the Jaguars were going to run the division, and now the Texans just won it. And, heck, let's not forget about the Colts and the phenomenal job that Shane Steichen did turning that team around from four wins to a uh, nine wins um, without Anthony Richardson for most of the season. So how are we so sure – that this is going to be Houston's division to run for, for, for some time here. Like, how are we so confident about that? I'm confident in D'Amico Ryans as a defensive-minded coach and let who lets his offense do what they need to do. To me, that is the Belichick plan, where he runs the defense. He is a phenomenal defensive coach, but he will let the offense cook the way they need to cook as far as the overall team you know, dynamic as opposed to trying to be an offensive minded coach, spending so much time on the offense and just letting the defense just wither away and die. Yeah. You know, I'm confident in the success of the Texans and guys, let's not, you know, forget uh, just this year alone, uh, the AFC North had three teams make the playoffs with the Steelers, Ravens and the Browns. And they were the first, you know, since the 1930s to have four, all four teams have a winning record. Well, this AFC South division could get fun really quick. I mean, with a healthy Anthony Richardson, healthy Jonathan Taylor, and this Colts team, they can definitely do some damage. But the Jags, I mean, the Jags will still always be there. Um, but it's gonna, they could be a fun division to uh, really see if three of those teams can make the playoffs here in the next couple of years because I think it could be possible because we're seeing it with the AFC North right now. Granted, once a healthy Joe Burrow comes back, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. the Bengals are going to be right up there with the Ravens. I will say that. But uh, I noticed, I, I noticed you said nothing about the Titans, and I think we're all pretty much in agreement that the Titans are entering rebuild mode now, especially without a uh, 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 Vrabel. Mm -hmm. And yeah. no Derrick Henry. Nope. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's going 
going to be a fun topic to talk about in probably next couple episodes is these big free agent uh, destinations. Where will they end up? So Derrick Henry is one of them. But, you know, there's times, Ed, where I feel like me and you really share uh, a mind because this is twice this episode that you actually hit right on. And that is, you know, we have seen an end of an era right now with head coaches in college football and NFL. We are seeing a beginning with D'Amico Ryans. Well, we also saw that with quarterbacks, the end of an era with the GOAT, Tom Brady, uh, the sheriff, Peyton Manning, and then Drew Brees. Well, guys, we are, like Ed said, in great hands with these quarterbacks, these up-and-coming quarterbacks. And C.J. Stroud is one of them. I want to read you this stat, guys, because when you are in the same boat as two of these quarterbacks, well, I think great things are coming. Well, so C.J. Stroud led the NFL in passing yards a game, and he also led the NFL in the best touchdown-to-interception ratio. All quarterbacks all time to ever do that? Well, that's Joe Montana in 1989. And that's Tom Brady in 2007. Tom Brady in 07, as we know, went undefeated all the way to the Super Bowl until they lost to the Giants. And then Joe Montana, I mean, that speaks for itself what he did in the 80s. So, guys, C.J. Stroud being in that same category with those two quarterbacks, that's amazing. And, guys, he's a rookie. This isn't this isn't an 07 season with Tom Brady who already had several Super Bowls under his belt. No, this is a rookie in the NFL and he put up those numbers, guys, C.J. Stroud is him, like Ed said earlier, and he's the real deal, and I'm excited to see his career. But another quarterback that we've talked about, that the media has talked about, and they've labeled him as him, that's Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills. Guys, he is a mountain of a man out there at quarterback. Josh Allen, is he is a big boy. And to see him run like he does, I mean, it's like Cam Newton. No one really knew how big Cam Newton was until you were right until you were trying to tackle him. He's a giant. Well, same with Josh Allen. Well, guys, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills put my Pittsburgh Steelers playoff hopes to the rest last night. Or not? Well, as we lost thirty-one to seventeen to the Buffalo Bills, and Josh Allen, it makes me wonder: is he the biggest threat in these playoffs? And this is going to sound kind of contradicting because I have said on here that Josh Allen can be very inconsistent, and I do stand by that. But when I say threat, I think he can be because of his upside and because of his abilities. Does that mean that I think he is the best player or the best quarterback in these playoffs? I do not. But I do think that he is the biggest threat because of his playing ability and his upside is as better head-to-head with Patrick Mahomes, but when you have no defenses out there, and we saw that in that Chiefs and Bills game, uh, well, of course, it, you know, you're going to have to do everything that you can, and Josh Allen did, but it just came down to the end where, in overtime, well, Mahomes and his magic seemed to have been a little bit more, but Josh Allen is a huge threat, and we saw it last night uh, against the Steelers and with his legs ability and with his arm ability too. So, uh, But I want to talk about the Steelers. I want to talk about just how vulnerable they are when T.J. Watt is not there. They are now 1-11 in in T.J. Watt's career when he is not playing for them. 
So that just shows you that this team, and it's sad to even say, especially as me as a Steelers fan, they are incapable of playing without TJ Watt. He is as valuable as they come, and the numbers, they they, they, they don't lie. Uh, the Steelers' defense is just horrible when he is not there. They give up almost double the amount of points when TJ Watt is not playing for them. So it, that's kind of embarrassing guy. I mean, TJ Watt is one of the best defensive players in the NFL right now, and his presence is always uh, out there when when he is playing to his best ability. So uh, Steelers don't know how to play when TJ Watt's not there. And we had Mason Rudolph, who I think did a actually decent job besides throwing an interception in the red zone when you really needed points there. Uh, that really did hurt us. We did shoot ourselves in the foot several times last night with uh, George Pickens fumble, the interception in the red zone. Um, those are mistakes that the Steelers cannot make. And guys, Josh Allen is now 17-0 and if he does not throw an interception or have a turnover. So that just shows you he does have a lot of turnovers. Josh Allen is known for that. But if he does not have a single turnover, all he does is win because he is 17-0 and 0 when he does not have a turnover. And, and, well, last night was one of those games where he did not have a turnover and the Bills came out victorious. But there was a play that happened in this game, and the two plays actually, where it's almost unfair to play defense in the NFL now. I'm not saying this because it was my Steelers, but there was a play where First one was uh, Patrick Peterson had a wide open sack, just wide open at Josh Allen. And you could see right at the end as he was going to tackle him, he let up, he let off a little bit because, well, if you hit the quarterback just a little too hard or you hit him a little too high, you're getting that yellow flag. And I'm not talking about the terrible towel. I'm talking about a penalty. And Josh Allen is a big boy. You need to put everything you have into that guy or you're not going to bring him down. And, well, that's what happened. Patrick Peterson let off just a little bit enough where he did not get the sack. So there's that where it's tough to be a defender. But then let's talk about later in the game. Josh Allen was running the ball, and he ran it very successfully the entire game and did not slide once until towards the end of the game in the fourth quarter. And that's, well, that's when the defender hit him. And there goes the yellow flag. There goes the penalty. I'm not saying whatsoever the Steelers would have won the game if that didn't happen. No. But it is impossible to play defense nowadays when you have quarterbacks who are either not sliding or possibly fake sliding. Uh, it just is not fair to the defense out there playing. And last night I felt that was not fair. Josh Allen did not slide an entire game the whole game. So what do you do as a defender when you see that quarterback, that big quarterback out there running? You're going to try to tackle him because, well, he's been hard to tackle the entire game, and that's the one time he slid. So it is, it's not fair. It's tough. Um, but Josh Allen is a threat on his feet, and you have to be prepared at all times. And now with these rules, you, ha you have to be prepared. It's the playoffs. So I, I'm very indifferent on that. Um, if they should pick up a penalty flag or if they should throw a flag on a fake slide. I mean, Kenny Pickett's notorious for his fake slide, but that was in the college. So, But 
I just did not like the fact that he, he didn't slide the whole game. And then the one time he did, that's when the penalty flag flies. But after the game, you saw a very frustrated Mike Tomlin. If you did not see this video, you go ahead and look it up. You can find it on Twitter or YouTube. But a reporter decided, you know, let me ask him about his contract. You know, last year in his contract. And Mike Tomlin, he, he, he went out. He did not like that whatsoever. Uh, I get if you can't. Can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. But this is the the after a loss in the playoffs. And there's just certain things you just try to avoid asking, and that was one of them. Mike Tomlin, well, he was fed up with it, and he walked out. He made clear today, guys, I'm going to coach the Pittsburgh Steelers next year, and the Pittsburgh Steelers sound like they're standing by him. But we've heard this before at many levels. I'm going to be your coach next year, and guess what happens? I'm not. So – uh, we'll wait to see, but Mike Tomlin's had an incredible career in Pittsburgh, and he's extended his record even more with uh, consecutive seasons to start a head coaching career with 500 or better. So Pittsburgh Steelers, they have a lot to uh, think about going into next year, but team that also has a lot to think about going into next year, that's the they share the same state as uh, Pittsburgh, but that's Philadelphia Eagles. And David, you're wearing the hat. You're representing. You're happy. Let's talk about this Eagles and Bucks game. And I really want to, but I really need to ask this this question um, to you, to you, Matthew. Um, if you don't, if you don't mind, a lot of uh, there's a lot of finger um, fingers being pointed at Mike Tomlin, but why aren't more fingers being pointed at? at the GM. I mean, who the hell do you guys have? You got nobody on defense that that strikes the fear of God into you other than TJ Watt, obviously, and perhaps Minka Fitzpatrick. You got nobody on offense worth a damn. I mean, Kenny freaking Pickett is your number one quarterback for crying out loud. Why is Tomlin getting so much hate for winning with an extremely limited roster? Because head coaches always do. They, I mean, they're the face How often do you see a team's GM, you know, you see the face of the head coach, they're always going to get the blame regardless. So, uh, I mean, I think uh, uh, Khan, uh, Omar Khan, who is our uh, GM, he's done, I feel like, pretty good. But Kenny Pickett, I I think it's come down to it that he's not the guy. Um, Yes, George Pickens, he shows that he has a lot of talent and things did start to look better for some of the offense. But, yeah, defense – uh, they are going to need to make a lot of adjustments here, and it does start with the GM making these correct decisions on the route that this team is going to take this next year and so forth. So Mike Tom is always going to get the, the finger pointing the blame, um, but that's just how it is as a head coach in the NFL. And yeah. my two cents on it is that Mike Tomlin has raised, you know, he started out, you know, with a tremendous level of success. The fact that he has not had a losing record doesn't mean that he has been successful. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, he is. You could see that his teams have regressed over the years to be just above average, which is the worst place to be in the NFL because you're never picking in the top ten and getting those game-changing players, but you're never getting deep enough into the playoffs to make it worth your while to get players to go to the next step. So he's kind of in that, that quagmire of, you know, team 10, you know, team, let's say 14 to 20, 
you know, when you're talking about draft positioning, which means he's not really going anywhere. He's not getting better and he's not getting worse. And that's almost, you know, a worse thing to have happen to your franchise than, you know, just completely tanking or winning the Super Bowl. You know, we're talking at least 10 years now, is it, where he hasn't really had more than, what, two seasons, you know, 10 wins or more. It's all been eight and eight, nine and seven, nine and six, you know, just with the schedule changes over the past few years. You know, so I, I think that he has done a good job, but I think there is something to be said about there needs to be some life infused into that organization, and it needs to come from somewhere. I don't care if you don't change uh, Mike Tomlin as the head coach, but somewhere there needs to be some some life brought back into the organization. Yeah, six straight playoff losses for the Steelers. So it, you know, that is going to reflect on the head coach. Yeah, certainly. And speaking of, uh, you know, uh, infusing life, well, we know one team in that same state that you talked about, Matthew, that also needs some life breathed into them. And that is, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but man, like, I predicted us to win this game. 21 to 17. I figured that the momentum we had, like we won five of our last six regular season games coming into uh, the wild card round. The Eagles, quite literally the opposite. They came in having lost five of their last six. So I thought we had a chance, but my gosh, I did not expect this absolute beatdown that that we gave those guys. And, and listen, like I, I have been openly critical of our coaching staff all season, okay? Todd Bowles especially. But credit where credit is due, our coaching staff had an absolutely phenomenal game plan. Todd Bowles had a phenomenal uh, game plan. And the, the, the way that our defense was just able to just relentlessly bully Phil, Philly's offensive line all night, just harass Jalen Hurts with all the blitzes that we, we came up with. And guys, keep in mind, this is an offensive line that is arguably the best offensive line in the NFL and has been the best or one of the, one of the best offensive lines for quite some time. And so the fact that Todd Bowles was able to scheme up a game plan to just completely obliterate that unit. Listen, there have been times where Todd Bowles is coaching made me want to throw my phone across the room, but there's also been times where his coaching made the biggest difference. Like, against the Eagles and against the Chiefs and, you know, in the Super Bowl. Um, and then let's talk about the offense. I mean, Baker Mayfield, like, shout out to that guy. Um, nobody wanted him in the in the offseason. Nobody gave him a chance when he when he came to Tampa. People were people were convinced that we were going to tank, including me. I can't I cannot hide from that. But hey, he, pro- he proved all, all of us wrong, man. Um, and the way that Canales, ju- I, I love, I loved that Canales just immediately went for the kill shot um, right from the get go, and that's exactly what you need to do against one one of the worst secondaries um, in the NFL, um, right? And then you know, speaking of the Eagles here, um, I am just guys. I am just so, 
in my lifetime, I'm not sure I've ever seen a collapse this bad. In fact, the last time that I can remember a team getting off to a similar start and then stumbling down the stretch was the Houston Texans in 2012, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, here's a not-so-fun fact. The Eagles are the first team in NFL history to start 10-1 and and not even win 12 games. And it wasn't just the fact that they were losing guys, but they looked downright uncompetitive. And listen... I don't think I don't think that Nick Sirianni is going to lose his job and I don't think he should lose his job but man oh man this season it was it was increasingly obvious this season um that the Eagles made the 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 Super Bowl last year in spite of Sirianni and not because of him because when he lost both of his coordinators to uh, head coaching uh positions he got exposed okay and listen when you make the playoffs, you're more than likely going to lose your uh, coordinators. And the Eagles were elite, both offensively and defensively. So it's not a surprise that Steichen and Gannon were both picked up by the uh, Colts and the um, and the uh, Cardinals, uh, respectively. But, guys, a huge reason for the Eagles' collapse was because of uh, a Sirianni's failure to effectively replace his coordinators okay he failed in, in that regard and he's going to have a lot to answer for in the offseason like this offseason is going to truly make or break him okay like i said i don't think he should be fired and i've always been a firm believer in um you know proving that the year before was not a fluke right it's like all right listen a lot of good happened last year under your watch this year not so much okay but I'm going to give you one more chance to prove that last year wasn't a flu, right? Um, you know, uh, things didn't go so well for you. What are you? What are you going to do? Okay. And we've seen we've seen examples of head coaches going through adversity, but then they became great coaches because of the adversity they went through. Kyle Shanahan, first season with the 49ers, went six and ten. Next season was four and twelve. Literally regressed. So it seemed like that experiment in San Francisco wasn't going to work out. Well, now Kyle Shanahan is regarded as a top three, top five coach in the league, okay? Dan Campbell start, got off to a horrible start in Detroit, was never really taken seriously as a head coach. Now he's regarded as one of the best coaches in the NFL, okay? As far as Sirianni goes, this is really the first time in his head coaching career that he has faced true adversity, I know his first season, um, the Eagles went nine and eight, but key phrase there, first season, the Eagles still made the playoffs and, you know, at least then they had a really bright future and like they had the sense that things were on the, uh, were on the up under, under Sirianni. This is really the first time all in his entire, uh, in his short uh, head coaching career so far that Sirianni has faced legitimate adversity. And it'll be really interesting to see how he's going to um, how he's going to uh, figure things out. Because, guys, let me tell you, if he does not use the soft season to shape things up to prove that last year wasn't a fluke, well, Howie Roseman won't have to worry about firing him because the Philly fans are just going to run him out of town. Um, but yeah, man, you know, shout out to the Bucks. Nobody saw saw this coming. 
And I don't know if we're going to beat the Lions, man, but I'm just going to enjoy this as much as I can. And you should enjoy it as much as you can. And I don't say that sarcastically. Uh, what the Bucks have done uh, this year to make the playoffs and then beat the defending NFC champs like they did was impressive. But we are on to the next round. This is divisional round matchups here. And guys, we are in for a treat. We are spoiled because we get to see the Packers play the 49ers. I mean, you have a first round pick in Jordan Love versus Mr. Irrelevant and Brock Purdy. Uh, and don't let you know that fool you because we saw what Tom Brady has done in his career. And uh, Brock Purdy has done incredible things with the Niners. And then we have the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. And that is going to be just such a prime matchup between C.J. Stroud and Lamar Jackson. But guys, we were just Dave was just talking about the Bucks here. The this right here is gonna be the battle of the former number one draft picks that are, are have a resurgence in their career, and that's Baker Mayfield with the Bucks and Jerry Golf and the Lions. Let's not forget that Golf and Baker were number one draft picks. So they do have that talent. They aren't a Jamarcus Russell bust. They do have that talent to still be in the NFL. And look, guys, their teams are in the playoffs. But lastly, this right here is a matchup that's you know kind of out of this world when we have been spoiled with an amazing matchup with them before, and that is the Chiefs at the Bills. And it's the postseason, guys. We know Mahomes is going to show up. Josh Allen, we saw last night what he did against the, the Steelers. But this right here is going to be a very fun matchup, guys. So watch these games. But speaking of out of this world, you know, the universe is bigger than we ever dreamed. And history is stranger than we've ever realized. From quantum mechanics to the wonder of the pyramids, Quirks of Creation is a podcast that looks at the mysterious from all corners of God's mysterious universe. Tune in with Jess and Elise for a conversation about culture, biblical texts, scientific discoveries, and more to uncover where we've been and where we might be headed. You can find them on YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So go ahead, uh, give them a like, subscribe, follow. They are quirks of creation, guys. And that is about all we have today, folks. There was a lot to cover. We hope that you guys enjoyed our coverage of these games, and we will have coverage of games to come. So go ahead, and if you can, hit that like, subscribe button, share these videos. But put in the comments how you feel, uh, your predictions of these next games, because we do have you know, some great games coming up here. So predictions for that and uh, predictions of, of some of these awards that are going to be coming out. We will be talking about that here shortly as well. So uh, we appreciate all that you guys do, and we will continue to give you our very best. But until next time, guys, we are rounding third, and we are headed for home.